You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast. And here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. And my guest today is the one, the only, Jeff Hunt. He's back. The last couple of times he's been here, we talked movies. But today, we're talking what else but college football. By the time you're hearing this, the college football playoffs will be later tonight. So this will come out on Monday. And I am telling you right now, this is a big one, Jeff. This is a big, big playoff game. You got the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. First of all, welcome back, Jeff. And football season, sadly, is almost over. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, th- you know, thanks for having me. Of course, I love working with you. I love, you know, love doing some of the fun shows you've been doing, you know, with kind of your uh, uh, retool of your show and everything. So that's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, this is a big one. Uh, I got a couple, you know, a couple big time programs. It's not a, you know, it's a, you know, it's not, it's not the Alabama Clemson rivalry that we had a few times and it's not quite, it's, it's above, you know, the TCU, whatever you want to call that thing that happened last year. Uh, this is a big one. Both teams need to win. Um, this, this is Jim Harbaugh's legacy game. Like this is he. Like you know, you have some of these games. Like he, Jim Harbaugh has to win this game. Like Jim Harbaugh can't lose this game. Uh, if you combine just him, you combine you know the Super Bowl failure. You combine all these things about almost getting to the top of the mountain and being able to tell all these people that can't stand you, probably for good reason. That hey, I told you so. Like I did it my way. Um, you know, and, and, and it worked and I achieved this, it, it'd, it'd be one of the, you know, it's been, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, that, you know, Michigan's only won half of a national title since like 1950. Like it's, it's not, this isn't, this is a blue blood program that hasn't really won anything in 60 years. Uh, so that's important to them with the big 10 opening up next year and bringing more teams in, like you it's going to get harder to win a national championship. You got more, you're going to have a 12, you know, you have a 12 team playoff. We're going to talk about. So like, this is the one you have to get this. If you're Michigan, like you absolutely can't lose this game. It'll be an absolute failure. If they lose this game, Washington, of course, they want to finish the deal. Great season, but it, it's, it's a little different stakes as far as in the long run. Yeah. I listen, I say this all the time, Jeff, and, and we'll get to, we're going to kind of do a preview of what happened in the first round. Then we'll, or a review of what happened in the first round, first round. We'll preview the game, and then we'll take a look at some of the future stuff for the NCAA and what this means in the future. But I want to I want to go back to this real quick, Jeff. Okay. I say this all the time in March Madness, right? That certain teams, there's you have a certain window, and every team understands what their window is. Sometimes it's two years, sometimes it's one year. Oral Roberts understood. <laughs> We had a we have a one year window here. We're going to make a run, but we've got to. But in order for us to beat some of the teams that we beat in this tournament, we've got to be able to match them point for point, three for three, uh, foul for foul, bucket for bucket. Everything's got to be perfect. And I'm not trying to come in here and say Washington's the underdog. I'm not trying to say that because this this offense is high powered. Michael Penix Jr. for the longest time was the Heisman favorite. But Jeff, Michigan from the beginning of the season was the number one or two ranked team in the country yeah. in everybody's opinion, except for maybe a couple people. And they were they're supposed to be here. Washington to start the year, I don't think was supposed to be here. Washington yeah. to start the year, I don't think had this type of of capability. And I look ahead, and I, I you would know better than I would. Mo would know better than I would. Walker would know better than I would. But you're going to lose your star wide receiver. You're going to lose Michael Penix Jr. next year. Kalen DeBoer, you look great, man, but what's it look like when you don't have a guy who's throwing for, you know, the amount of yards and the amount of touchdowns that Michael Penix has? This is their window, and this is the ability, I guess, for them to – but they're going to have to match Michigan point for point. They're going to have to match Michigan drive for drive. They're going to have to stay in here because I think – they understand that if we don't let this go or if we don't do this and we turn the ball over one or two more times, this is an offense that, yep. you know, lacks impressiveness, but can you can find yourself down 14 really easy. 
Yeah, no, you're exactly right as far as Washington goes. Like it's similar to the high state situation of last year. You know you've got the quarterback. You know you've got you know you got rare talent wide receiver. Um, this isn't going to happen. Every, like you don't get that every year. Just like you said, like most years you gotta you gotta work for it or you gotta you know you're kind of down with everybody. When you have a guy like Penix, you have to capitalize on that that talent. And they have so far. Like you know, obviously they you know undefeated. They fought through some uh, tough games, you know, some some crappy games, you know, midseason, but they got it done. Um, you know, they they survived Texas. You know, every they tried to do everything they could do to give that game away, um, but but they they keep getting it done. Penix has showed up every time they needed him. But you're exactly right. The pressure that a team coach like Michigan puts on you is they're going to capitalize on your mistakes. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. They're not going to give you extra possessions. You have to value – you really have to value the ball. Um, when you have the ball in your hands, you have to score or you have to get yardage or you have to put them – in. you can't afford stupid mistakes. You, you can't do any of that because Michigan can play several brands of football uh, and they can shorten the game on you. And they put – what they do is they put pressure on you to score. Uh, the best example – you know, this season so far, as Ohio State, uh, you know, gets within, I believe, if I remember correct, they got they got to like a down by four. Michigan gets the ball back in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes on the clock. But that was not enough time. Michigan ran almost all that time off the clock. One more first down, they could have ran all 10 minutes off and kneeled on the ball at the end of the game. Like 10 minutes left in the game. You look at that Washington-Texas game, 10 minutes was four possessions. Uh, it's not going to be like that. So, like – you don't you do just can't make mistakes but you also don't like against Michigan they also don't have to throw you probably don't have to score 50 you just can't keep giving them the ball like you can't have empty empty possessions it's a it's a different kind of pressure you know uh, that that's on Washington and and again like you said you know you're you're not guaranteed this spot next year like a lot of these other teams feel that they're going to be definitely in the playoffs next year yeah for sure and so that leads us to let's kind of take a look back now at, at the yeah. first round here, Washington, Texas. I thought Texas was the better team. I thought Quinn Ewers was the better quarterback. Still feel that way. I still feel Texas was the better team. Washington just got the best of them, you know, this year. Um, that was a fun one. That was a lot more fun than the first one. I didn't like yeah. the first game. I thought yeah. the first game was boring. Um, and and this is something we kind of had a conversation about. I don't remember if we had it on the podcast or like a pre when, when we were chatting before the podcast, but I'm not a Jalen Milrow guy. And yeah. for a lot of the same reasons you and Mo talked about with earlier in the year, when you were trying to pressure me to ask why I think JJ McCarthy is better than, than a Kyle McCord. And, you know, Mo brought up the fact that they took the ball out of, you know, his hands and, and gave it to Blake Corum. Yes, they put the ball in Jalen Milrow's hands to end the game. Yes, and it was the wrong decision, all those types of things, 1,000%. But my point is he can't throw the football, Jeff. They they were doing yeah. everything that they could to not have him throw the football. He, he can't throw the football. And they found out this isn't 2012 anymore. I can't win with Jake Coker or a Blake yeah. Sam or a – a you know John David Booty or whatever whoever you want to put in there we can't win that way anymore and I think they realize that with a guy like Jalen Milrow and I I would not be a bit surprised if if they hit the transfer portal next year looking for a quarterback yeah Milrow is just just a a college quarterback you're completely right I got really like after watching his you know probably six week run there I got high on him and started you know drinking the Kool Aid uh, he was really him like he and the offensive line were really exposed in that game. Um, but like you said, with his limited ability, like to like in the middle of the field, you know, short, short, short yardage stuff really got exposed when they Michigan brought all the pressure up front. I mean, that game was pretty much over after the first series when you saw how Michigan was going to be able to get to Milrow through the middle and, uh, you know, get him, you know, flustered. And and that was it. He couldn't throw his way out of the game. Like it wouldn't have took much of a quarterback. That this is my problem, or not my. I don't mean my problem, but my issue I've had with Michigan all year. You know, everybody keeps telling me how bad a high state was, and yet they were right there to beat Michigan. Everybody tells me how bad the Big Ten was. Yet Michigan fought through a couple dumb games. Like 
you know, we keep thinking that like, okay, eventually like they're going to, you know, play a decent quarterback and a decent team and it's going to catch up with them. It almost did. Like it almost did, but Milrow wasn't good enough. And I keep thinking like how much better of a quarterback would have really took to beat Michigan that day? Not much. It really wouldn't have took much, you know, to like Greg McElroy probably wins that game. I mean, but they didn't. And so again, undefeated. So finally, like we're going to see Michigan up against, you know, one of the best in the country by far, uh, definitely one of the best, you know, just arm talent that, you know, probably in the country as far as just like letting it rip. So finally we get to see that matchup that all year people like me have been saying, man, I just don't know. Like, but they, they've, they've matched every test, but then when you go back and it's, it's very similar to Philadelphia Eagles last year, we know how great they looked and we know how great Hertz looked. And then you go look at the list of quarterbacks they beat and you're like, Oh, okay. Now I don't know. Same with Michigan. I'm not saying they're not, I mean, I'll, I'll give my prediction later. I'm not saying they can't beat Michael Penix. I'm just simply saying we haven't seen it yet. And so yeah. this might be the yet. I, I don't doubt that they can. I don't doubt that they'll have a game plan. I don't doubt they'll be prepared. I'm just simply saying we still have to see it. Um, and that's most teams. Most teams don't play a top-tier quarterback every year. There's not that many in college football. Uh, you know, so when you, you know, and this Michigan team is built to beat a team like that. Uh, this Ohio, this Washington team is very similar to like the last couple years of Ohio State, you know, with uh, C.J. Stroud. And this is what Michigan was built to do. Take the ball out of their hands, rough them up a little bit. Uh, don't give them extra possessions. Uh, make them overthink and then and see, see if you can get them to make a mistake. I mean, so they're completely prepared for this type of offense. This isn't a, whoa, they're going to get their doors blown off like TCU did last year. Like, there's no way that's going to happen. No, I think the defense is too good. It's the best defense Washington's going to face all year. Yeah, it's not um, even close. Let's, take, let's, let, let's go ahead. Let's preview this, this national championship game, Jeff, because here's the thing for me, and – I'm a big quarterback guy. You know this. Like It's my favorite position to watch. It's my favorite position to study. Um, all this type of stuff. Draft's coming up. and I, For a minute, I'm going to talk about this in the draft mindset. Then we'll get into a college football mindset here in a minute. But I, I'm listening. Like I just listened to the first draft podcast with Mel Kuyper from ESPN earlier this week on my way to work. And he's talking about JJ McCarthy as, as if JJ is a first round quarterback and, and he's putting guys like Bo Nix and he's putting guys like Michael Penix in the second round for me. And, and he brought up a good point, And this is something that I've, I've brought up too, is we're still waiting for that game for JJ McCarthy. Like he's got all the talent. He can throw the arm. He can throw it sideways. He's mobile. He can do all this type of stuff. But I'm looking at it, Jeff, and I'm saying right now, like, I'm very concerned about kind of where he goes draft-wise because I'm looking at this and I'm saying this isn't – he wasn't even a very good college quarterback. Like, he was he was an okay, okay yeah. college quarterback. And usually those don't project well to great NFL quarterbacks. Now, there is Brock Purdy. There are the – the exceptions to the rule, but the exceptions are not the examples. They are exceptions. And yeah, Jeff, like I look at it and I say, JJ to me, there's a lot on him. And I wouldn't be surprised, Jeff, if, if this might be the game where we see either one, he's got it or two, he doesn't have it because if there was ever a game where you may have to get into a shootout, it's versus Washington this week. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, I'm kind of the same way uh, on on McCarthy. He's he's one of these players that he he, he he my closest comparison, you know, from very recently is Bryce Young. As far as like Bryce Young did a great job. Bryce Young has a ton of the tools that you need to be a quarterback. Bryce Young can do everything that your offense asks you to do to win a game, but but also there's a bit of a like I I think McCarthy. I think people think he's bigger than he is. He's not a big guy. Uh, that's, you know, then, you know, you know, I'm a stickler for like, you gotta have a little bit of size in the NFL just to take a little bit of the beating, withstand some of the hits, some of the knockdowns. Um, I th- it's held, it's held Mayfield back. It's, it's holding Bryce Young back, Tyler, Tyler Murray, on and on and on. Like, it's just a huge person's game. So, like, you know, it's one of those, like, can he, can, can he, 
can he play a game off schedule for a whole half? Like what you, what you're thinking could happen again. We, it's another thing. I don't know because he hasn't had to credit to Michigan. Uh, you know, TCU last year is a good example of like it. He couldn't, you know what I mean? Like you threw the pick sixes and then it, it, he can never overcome quite overcome that. Um, I don't see the superstar quality when people try to tell me he's a first round draft pick. Like, I don't get that. They asked college game day out of the last four quarterbacks before the playoffs, who was the best two of the guys said McCarthy. I can't on earth think why you would think McCarthy's better than yours or Penix. Like Not as far as if you want, as far as if you watch this season, he's clearly better than Milrow. Um, and so like, yeah, there's nothing like, and again, it's not a, it's not a knock to say a kid's super talented, but I don't know if he's going to be a starting NFL quarterback. And, um, it, it, the, I'm, I'm assuming Washington's going to try to get him, you know, force him to make some plays and do some stuff. Washington's a unique team. They kind of play off it. Like they kind of just play offense first and then figure out the defense. Their defense has played really well at times. Yeah. They don't necessarily seem to have a game plan as far as like, just go score. And hopefully score twice, you know, in a row or whatever, and then go tackle everybody and play hard. Like, um, yeah, yeah, it's just a type of team they are because of the offense. Um, so I don't really know. I don't, you don't, there is no game plan to beat Michigan as far as defensively because, you know, when somebody comes at you, you know, the way they do with the size that they have and, and, and the numbers. At best, you got to throw yourself into a bunch of big bodies and try to hold them to four or five yards of rush. That's your like you're not going to stop the run game. You're not going to penetrate and tackle. For me, I would say. For me, Jeff, I would say we all know Blake Corum's like it it was like last year playing Texas. Like yes, they had Quinn Ewers. You didn't want Quinn Ewers to beat you because Quinn could. But my point is like you came in knowing Bijan Robinson was the guy you have to stop. You come yeah. into Michigan this year, you know Blake Corm's the guy you got to stop. For me, like we just kind of talked about, if my game plan walking into this game versus Michigan, if I'm Washington, is we are taking away the run and we are making J.J. McCarthy beat us. We are making him throw for 350, 375, and four touchdowns if they want to win this game. We're going to limit the run. We're going to take away the run, and we're going to say, if you want to win this game, you're going to have to outduel Michael Penix Jr. That's what they're hoping. I don't know if they can do it defensively. I, I'm not so sure they can. But that would be the game plan and the mindset I would have if I was a defensive coordinator coming into this game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what the game plan is. I just personally don't see how you do it uh, Yeah, just because of – just because of the type of and and it's always been a hard a staple of hardball. I mean, he just outnumbers you and outsizes you up front, and it's just it's the, your only choice is to is to just comp, go you know go zero coverage and stack the box. And then man, in college football. I mean, McCarthy's good enough to beat that. Like I can yeah. tell you, McCarthy McCarthy's good enough to beat man on you know man on man coverage with with no help. So like. I, I I see what you're saying, but I think if they try to do that, they're going to get beat. I think what they need to do is just keep tackling, uh, keep everything in front of them as best they can, hope for a mistake, hope for a big play, hope for a holding, and then count on your offense to take advantage of the one mistake and steal an extra possession. Like that's – to me, that's the only way. It's no different than – and a lot of it's because I've seen – what Ohio State has tried to do to overcome this hardball offense the last few years, and that's really it. You're just sitting there hoping, like, okay, eventually, like, I don't know, you'll get a you'll get a tackle in the backfield, or or maybe somebody's going to let go of the ball. But when they don't, it just it, it it's really really hard to get them behind the chains. It is really hard to get Michigan behind the behind the chains. Yeah, let's take a look at this um, coaching battle here because. Kalen DeBoer, you know, he came from Indiana. Same with Michael Penix. A lot of these guys, there's some guys on this team that were on the Indiana team when they made yeah. that run there in the Big Ten during the COVID season. Um, I, the advantage obviously has to go to Harbaugh, you would think, because yeah. Harbaugh, been, he's been in big game situations. He's 2-0 and versus Ohio State in the last two years. Um, you know, he's been here before. Yes, he hasn't. Won very often in the college football playoffs, but he's been here before. Like he's got the experience where Washington doesn't. And I'm not saying Kalen DeBoer is is living is currently walking around like he's just happy to be here. I'm not saying that. But when you come into that game tonight, Jeff, and and you're playing 
a team that has the experience, that has the confidence, that felt like last year they let TCU slip through their hands, felt like they were the better team than TCU, and and they just got beat. I think you got to come into this game if you're Kalen DeBoer. And we, we love innovative guys like Lincoln Riley and, and, and some of these others. I know you don't like him, but guys like Ryan Day and those types of things. <laughs> hey, but, me and Ryan Day is cool right now. That's a whole <laughs> different show. <laughs> but my my point is, like, I think you got to do what works. Don't try to get too cute. Don't try to get too fancy. I know it's the big game. I know everybody wants their version of the Philly Philly that we'll remember from, you know, the national championship like we do with with Nick Foles catching that touchdown pass with the Eagles. But you just, like we talked about, I think right now the mindset for Kellen DeBoer has got to go in, has got to be, let's stay aggressive. Let's do what we do. We push the ball down the field. We throw it down the field. Let's come out. Let's be aggressive. Let's be smart. Let's do what we do best. And we're not going to do anything too cute. We're not going to do any trick plays, any of that kind of stuff. For me, that's got to be the mindset if you're Kellen DeBoer because you're coming in with the least amount of advantage. This is a big game. This is your first time in the bright lights as far as the national championship game goes. And I think it could at times get very overwhelming for a young guy and a young head coach. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Do, do what they do. Don't overthink it. Uh, you know, one of the advantages Washington has, the truth is like, it's again, it's another one of these things. Like the narrative is, you know, how Michigan, you know, is ran over everybody how bad a high state was we know we know what level we think mccord was whatever you want to say um you know then, then we want to talk we just talked about milro and how we think of that and yet they couldn't blow either one of those teams out uh washington's a better team than both of the last two you know big time teams that they played um and michigan hasn't been able to put up big points are really like like they had the last couple of years so like if i'm washington i'm confident of being like just give us, you know, two to three minutes. We will get our touchdowns. If we can hit Washington, I'm sure in their mind they've got a number, and I think it's probably about 35 points. They're like, if we can put 35 points on the board, I, I honestly believe that we can win this game. That's not Undoubtedly. a lot. I think if they as, hit 28, they win this game. Yeah, well, yeah, that's funny you say. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but, um, and I, uh, like, but when they play Oregon, I think it's 50. I think in their mind, it's like, man, we got to score 50. Um, so, like, I think the internal pressure of them to score points, and I know Michigan's defense is good. I'm not saying it's easy to score on them, but I think also, I don't think they're thinking, oh my gosh, we have to score 60. I think they have, they're, I think it's like 35 points. They think they have to score. Um, so, like, mentally, I don't think, and, and when it comes to kids, I don't think either one of them mentally, Michigan's a very well coached team, and these, they got a lot of older guys and they're ready. Washington's got a bunch of dogs that have been fighting all year. Um, they're not, they're not at all going to be awestruck by, you know, by Michigan rolling in. Um, you know, of course it's going to be tough at first. Penix is going to early in the game. Penix is going to get, you know, hounded. He's going to get hit. He's going to get shoved. It's just going to happen. Like Michigan is going to get to you early until you make your adjustments. Um, that's the matchup matchup wise is clearly Washington offensive line versus Michigan defensive line. Like that is, you know, that that's all you got to watch. Like this is going to be one of those games to where you're not going to need to watch the all 22. You can stare at the, at the, at the snap of the ball, stare at the center and see what happens right there in the middle of that, you know, that offensive line. And it's going to tell you everything about this game. If Washington can hold up, they're going to win. Like if they can, if they're, if that line's as good as I've seen it play a few times this year, they're going to win. Um, if they, you know, if they don't and Penning starts getting beat around, then now we got a ball game. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. All right, Jeff. It's time now to give our score predictions. <laughs> I'm interested because does the Ohio State guy take Michigan in this game? So Jeff, yeah. I'll let you go first. What's your score prediction here? Um, I've 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 got it because we I just talked about the number. I've actually I don't have it like out of sight. I've got it 31 27 Washington. Um, I because every, everything I said, I do think that they can get the one extra touchdown. Um, I don't. You know, again, I'm I'm trusting my eyeballs and what I saw against the high state. And I'm like, I you know what I mean? Like Washington's a better version of Ohio State was this year. And they were they were right there in it and their quarterback's probably twice as good. So I'm not gonna try and now I'm not I'm also not saying Michigan can't win. I'm just giving you a score prediction. If Michigan wins, I'll be like, I, I'm not surprised whatsoever. No, and I'm not surprised whatsoever that you didn't pick Michigan. No. Because, you know, never. Why would you ever, right? Yeah. My score prediction is 31-21 Washington over Michigan. Listen, oh, I think wow. 
I think to me, I, I, I'm not impressed with that offense for Michigan. I don't know, Jeff. 27 might be too much to ask for him. I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Like, what can, besides running the football, what do they do well? Like, they don't throw the ball that well. We we don't necessarily know if they trust J.J. McCarthy. We look at the Penn State game where they ran it, what was it, 28 straight times or whatever it was, 68,000 like straight times. Like, <laughs> you know, they they gave they took it out of J.J. McCarthy's hands. I'm not so sure, Jeff, that I trust this team to where – enough to where to score any more than 21 points. And I'm sure somebody's going to clip this and be like, I'm a fool. But right now I just haven't been impressed with this offense with what I've seen from Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, again, I keep saying, I'm not saying they can't win it, but I just haven't saw it. And and the tomorrow night or tonight might be the, might be it. This might be the perfect, you know, the Michigan game finally. All right. We're going to talk about my favorite thing in the world, Jeff, because which is the twelve team playoff? Because I we're gonna look ahead to next year and at this time next year. Because first of all, I have a bone to pick with Mo, not necessarily <laughs> you, because you and, and Mo's not here to defend himself, so I won't go too hard in on him. But he can take it. You're kind of a you're an elitist like me, so we kind of see it on eye to eye. Yeah. But I want to focus on something that you said on, on your on the show you did with Mo earlier. I guess last week on, on Moe's uh, Up in Flames podcast, you guys yeah. were talking about the 12-team yeah. playoff. And you said that this 12-team playoff won't necessarily help teams like the Vanderbilts or the Indianas or, you know, those types of schools. And while, yes, Jeff, I agree with you, it is people like Mo with his buddy Walker Bailey <laughs> and others like Zach McKinnell who have argued with me, that's exactly what the 12-team playoff is going to do. So why are we changing the narrative as to what the 12-team playoff is going to do? The 12-team playoff is supposed to make teams like Cincinnati, Tulane, Northwest Mountain State of Missouri compete in college football championships with Alabama. That's what they told me this was going to do, right? Like That's what they've been <laughs> preaching this entire time is the finally these schools like James Madison is going to wind up in the national championship game with Alabama because it's supposed to bring in recruits. It's supposed to put them in a situation and they finally have the shot. Now we're saying it's not that way. Like we, which one, which one is it? I got to be sure. I am a hundred percent sure that I, anybody that knows me knows that I've never thought that that not was you, the case. Not you. I know what you're but, saying. I, yeah. I know what you're saying. It, it's actually, well, you, I'm, you know, like I say, you go back to the show and listen, like, I've actually said it's going to be quite the opposite. Like it's, I had another show, uh, you know, it came out the other day with a friend of mine named Ash from uh, um, Hops Geek. So if you want to check out Jeff Needs Sports, and we talked about this issue. And I said, not only is it going to kill, I'm not talking about killing the mid majors only, I'm talking about killing the bottom half of the major conferences. And it's also going to kill the bowl games. So for a viewer, it's better because we got more games that matter. Um, technically matter. We got more competition. We got more interest in those playoff games. Um, what you do with, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of it. Um, if I, it, it's, it seems like, you know, I talked, Mash is a Boise state graduate and we talked about how that this kind of ends the quote unquote Cinderella story that like Boise state had that kind of started all this. Like Boise state was the catalyst for like, we got to start getting other teams involved in them. That eventually Cincinnati got their shot. Um, you know, you uh, you UCF had you know some run in there, but that that no longer is going to happen because um, uh, with the the super conferences and I, I don't think they're going to guarantee them a spot. It is it the twelve team playoffs going to look like the top twelve did this year a lot. Like that's which, that's that's the which truth of it. Is what I'm I've been saying with you. I know which is what I've been saying, Jeff, for. The last couple of years, yeah. when everybody in the brothers come to me and told me the twelve team playoffs the greatest thing ever, and it's going to revolutionize the way we look at football and all this type of stuff, and I said, what you're going to get is the twelve best teams in the country, yeah. and if you go and you look through it, you're going to see Alabama, Georgia, yeah. you're going to see Notre Dame, you're like, you're going to get one mid major in there, you're going to get one. Because that's how the the thing's set up. 
I don't think that's guaranteed either, by the way. I don't think they've decided to actually guarantee a group of five schools. Well, if it's not guaranteed, then what are we even talking about? I'm with you. Like, why are we even doing this, Jeff? Because my point is we're going to sit here and then we're going to talk about how there needs to be changes to the 12-team playoff or we need to bump it up to six-team and give the the mid-mate the group of five an opportunity because nobody's happy enough when they fought for four years or, or eight years or however long it was to get 12 teams. My, my point with this Jeff is like I was called dumb, crazy, wild, all these types of things told to sit down, told to stay in my same lane. <laughs> when now all these people who were telling me to stay in my lane, when all these people who were telling me I'm, to sit down who are telling me to be quiet are, are preaching the same thing, Jeff, I said two years ago. Like, I, I don't understand where this kind of all circle came from when the point was, the whole point of this was to make UCF, who claims to be a national champion, actually get in, into the big boy games and compete with real national champions like Alabama, like Michigan, like Georgia. Yeah. But instead, that's not going to happen. And well, and two of the, some things have changed since, like from the time that's look at if you look at what's changed from the time that Cincinnati, um, whatever begged for their chance and got it, um, that whole debacle, you know, three years ago, the portal opened up wider, uh, NIL became a thing. So the, the whole entire landscape of college football and the power structure changed also at the same time we decided to go to 12 teams. So a 12-team playoff five years ago looked different than now. It's it's literally just going to be the 12, basically 12 out of the 20 richest you know programs in the sport competing for it every year. Um, and again, I, I'm unapologetically, it doesn't bother me because that's how I like me. it. I want I want home. I want more games that you know really really have stuff on the line. I want you know I want these home game playoffs. But I do it. I do feel sick for the other side of it. But also. The way everything went, it, it nothing was gonna nothing was gonna help the UCFs and the and the no no, no longer Cincinnati. They're in the you know the Pac twelve or Big Twelve now. But um nothing was gonna help like James nothing's gonna help James Madison anyway. So I'm like, give us more games. Those teams are screwed regardless. Like James Madison's not winning a college football national championship. It's never gonna happen. It can't the way it's set up, it, unless they put sixty four teams in it and they work their way through it. But still like. You're all the talents towards the top now, which it's been anyway. So it's like rather than just have like, especially this bowl season, like I had two games that were really I had a couple entertaining games, but there's only two games that were were worth anything. Um, terrible bowl season. Um, so it's like might as well give us more games. I know, I know it feels like a sacrifice in some of the other schools, but I don't say I really think that the schools like James Madison, the schools in the, the group of five are better prepared for this situation than Indiana, Vanderbilt, um, even, I mean, honestly, like once you now look at the new big 10, like Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan state, like now they got a, they got a, you know, they got a huge task in front of them to get back where they were, the way things are set up now without divisions, no longer can Iowa accidentally get into the big 10 championship game and so on and so forth. So like, I really think the, the lower part of the conferences, those schools, that are used to maybe every other year could step up and compete, they're going to kind of get buried in all of this. Yeah. Hey, listen, you're saying what the Stewart from two years ago was saying, and nobody <laughs> wanted to listen. So I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> Mo, if you're listening, feel free. We can debate this on my podcast anytime you want. But you know how you say I'm never right? I was right. All right. I want to <laughs> talk about something else now, Jeff, because you're a college football historian, I guess. <laughs> And, and you've watched more college football than I think I ever will in my life. And I want to talk to you about bowl games because I hear, okay. I heard you say it. I've heard, I've heard Mo say it multiple times, but I've also heard people on Twitter and, and people on TV talk about how bowl games don't matter. And my point, Jeff is this, and, and you're going to tell, you'll probably tell me where I'm wrong, but my point is this bowl games have never mattered. That's they never true. did. It was a TV marketing ploy by by ESPN, by ABC, by CBS, by Fox to let you believe that the Meineke Car Care Bowl mattered between the University of Ohio and the University of Miami of Ohio. Like, nobody <laughs> cares, Jeff. Nobody's – like, my point is this. If, if Nick Saban from when we had the BCS 
from 2005 to let's say 2011, won six Meineke Bowls. Are we calling him the greatest coach of all time? No. <laughs> you know true. why? Because all that matters, all that's ever mattered, all that will ever matter, Jeff, has been the national championship. That's all that's mattered. That's all that will ever matter. So, like, I'm sick, of, I'm sick and tired of hearing about how these bowl games matter. Like, sure, the Rose Bowl, there's the Sugar Bowl. There's, like, there's, like, four or five, like, that really, truly, like, are historical bowls that matter. But, like, to sit here and tell me that, like, the, the Motor City Bowl or the Hawaii Bowl and, and you're staying up watching Hawaii play Hostra at ten at one in the morning is ridiculous because it never mattered. Hawaii's coach isn't going to the Hall of Fame. Jim June, I think that's his name, is not going to the Hall of Fame because he won six Hawaii Bowls. No one get no one cares, Jeff. No one cares. That's my problem with all this argument about well, it makes the bowl games less important. They they never were important. They never right. mattered, and they never will matter. And they they did okay. So as far as they never mattered, it was drastically different. So what has happened is the reason the bowl games used to be such a bigger deal. Like say when I was a kid, I probably didn't get to watch. We'll say a team like Oregon all year. They were not on my TV because I live in Ohio. So what would happen is the bowl game would come up. You know every you know they'd all pretty much all be on New Year's Day. And you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I get to see this, you know, quarterback that I saw in sports, you know, been reading about in Sports Illustrated all year for the first time I get to see him. So, like, as far as the outcome of the game, maybe it didn't matter, but, like, they were, it was a bigger, much, much bigger deal. Well, then as the TV and cable and everything took over, you could watch teams more, you could follow the sport more. Well, now, if you want to, you can watch every Oregon game all year if you live in Ohio. So then by the time the bowl game comes around, like I don't need to see them play Liberty. You know what I mean? As a so what so that kind of what forced the BCS is we got tired of like watching two or three bowl games and then having writers vote on the national champion. Like imagine I always do this to to like test out something new. So instead of like, you know, we talk about we're going to the 12 team playoff next year. That's that's what we're doing. Well, let's imagine that somebody came up with the idea that we were going to go back to how it was before the BCS. And so the commissioner, you know, of, of the Big Ten, SEC, every, they all come out and they say, here's what we're going to do next year. We're going to play. We're going to have these bowl games are going to be aligned by conferences. So, you know, the Rose Bowl is going to get Pac-12 Big Ten, no matter what the records are, no matter who they are. Uh, sugar's going to get, I think it was big 12 sec, whatever. That's how we're going to divide up the bulls. It doesn't matter what two records are. And then when they're all over, the writers will vote on who's the national champion. Could you imagine what people would say? Like they, they would, they would burn the system down. So it's like, sometimes I test it by looking like if I, if you say it in reverse, how stupid it sounds to, to judge champions that way. So then what happened though is once we got more important championship games, then the bowl games became, okay, these are exhibitions. And now, now it's so magnified with, you know, players not, you know, playing and, and, um, you know, every, the transfer portal and all that. Now it's so magnified that it's like, okay, why are we doing this? So it's like, come up with a solution. We need more meaningful early season games between these teams to like, to get these matchups, you know what I mean? Like uh, that, that, um, then that that, it, that work toward the record and get all the players on the field. Like everything's got to start being done earlier in the season instead of later, because now there's just not time. By the time the playoffs start on December 20th, by the time the bowl games, whatever's left of the bowl games comes around, we like, it's going to be, it's, I, I don't know what it's going to look like watching the USFL. So it's I mean, the bowl games are kind of, they're like, I, I feel bad for the kids and everybody gets to take the trip and all that. I'm n nothing against them when they're out there playing. I'll never suggest you're not trying to win. But as far as like, it's it's let's face it it's a tv sport and if jeff doesn't want to watch or jeff doesn't care like if, if i if that florida state georgia game if i can't watch it nobody can watch it so there's a like it, it's flaw it's a flawed system i mean it's it's got to be i don't i think i think they maybe need to come up with like an nit version um you know for these teams or, or just i don't know just just stop doing it i don't know what the answer is but i don't think that we can keep having these bowls with empty stadiums um, with, but, you know, with six and, and 16, but that leads me to my point where like, you know, you talked about your friend who was a Boise state fan. Yeah. He played Oklahoma and, 
and they beat Oklahoma on that Statue of Liberty play. That was a pretty cool play and all those types of things. But, and and maybe that was your only shot to watch Boise State the year, but it goes back to what you just said, which is the bowl games were nothing more than a marketing ploy to get Mm -hmm. more people, to buy more ads. So to act like we're killing this institution in college football, and to act like it's the... It's the death of college football because we're getting ready to bowl games. Like, I'm tired of hearing about it, Jeff, because yeah. at the end of the day, guess what? As much as I love um, Chris Peterson, who wound up going to coach at my at Washington and carried Washington to a college football playoff game, yeah. you won an Orange Bowl versus Oklahoma. You're not going into the College Football Hall of Fame because you won an Orange Bowl. No yeah. one gives a crap. No one cares, Jeff. That's the point. That's the argument that I have for this, and that's why I'm tired of hearing about how bowl games are meaningless now. Like, I'm mind-boggled, Jeff, that guys like Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin, Troy Smith, others didn't skip bowl games earlier. Like, what were they thinking is what I can't believe is, like, why is this all of a sudden, like, a societal thing? I think think it speaks more to the fact of, like, what were they thinking – yeah, Tim was obviously fighting for national championship. So is Troy Smith. Yeah. But my point coming, like the kids who go to South Carolina who's not fighting for an, what were you thinking playing in some Mikey <laughs> car care bowl that no one care that that doesn't mean anything. I to agree. Today? Like I think that the argument should be why was this not a thing earlier to skip these bowl games? Yeah. I, and here, here's the thing. Let's I'll I'll do I'll do another example of saying it in reverse. Like let's say that the NFL says, okay, everybody that doesn't like um doesn't make the playoffs, we're gonna match you up and you're gonna play an extra game next week. That would be the most least interesting game that I would want to watch all year. That's what a bowl game is. Yeah. Like to say, like, oh, you got yeah, you're not competing for anything. We're just gonna have an extra game and you guys go play and have fun because especially football's just really not cut out to be ex- an exhibition sport it looks bad when it's an exhibition sport it looks bad when it's not full participation on both sides um it just doesn't translate it's not it's not basketball to where you can play an all-star game with no defense but it's still fun um you, you know a, a football game without without stakes you know without something on the line um and 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 these teams that do did play hard in the bowl games and had all their players i'm not taking anything away from them like you, you went out there and played your game. This isn't about you, but don't ask, like, just like Stuart just said, like, we're not, the Rose Bowl has kind of ruined college football. Like we, they, they need to finally let go of, you know, what they think they mean to the college football world and, and let things move on because that's really, that's why we watch, you know, football games on New Year's Eve. That's why, you know, uh, the BCS has been determined. That's why like, you, like you can't get a game at that time slot. Like they've, they've, can, it's like it's time to let go like relax like you're just the rose bowl like it's you know what i mean good run good yet you, you made a good run off of a bunch of people that you didn't have to pay to play the game it's time to move on from that um i think i personally think the home playoff games next year regardless of outcome the 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 scenery the energy is going to be some of the best stuff that we've seen in college football as far as like, oh my gosh, this is this is awesome compared to what you're talking about with a half empty, you know, stadium and 20 players, you know, in in their street clothes watching their team play. All right. We'll end it with this. And this will probably get you some heat, so be prepared for <laughs> it. Because you know the whole however many people that listen to this podcast actually care. Over or under, because I'm going to be cooking this time next year, depending oh, yeah. on this number here. Okay. Over or under five blowouts in the 12 team playoff. In the whole playoff. What yeah. are we calling a blowout? I need, I need definition of a blowout. For me, a blowout's 14 more, 14 or higher. So if it's two touchdowns or more, you got blown out, in my opinion. Wow, you weren't even, tough. it wasn't even a contest. If it's two touchdowns or more, it's not even a contest. Yeah, but what if a team's down by seven? Okay. There's a pick, pick six. I'm, I'm just asking. So I, I well, so we'll I can... do 21. 21 or more. Ooh, 21. Because, but I also agree that there could be a blowout and you score a late touchdown and lose by 14, but you were never in it. So let's just call it, we'll just call it a blowout. I'm, I'm with you. Um, five in the whole thing. So you're going to have, you have 11 games. I'll say under. I don't, I don't think half of them will be blowouts. You think under? 
I, yeah, I'm, I'm just judging it. it by this. If you look at if you look at championship week, if you look at uh, Auburn, you know, High State, Michigan, you know, Auburn, Alabama. If you look at the two playoff games, if you look at the last meaningful games against the teams that were competing for the playoffs, um, outside of even Florida State won with a backup quarterback. There really weren't any blowouts. It's a, to me, it's the same scenario as far as like these are the matchups you're going to have. So I'll say, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a few. But it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be five. I'll say under. I'll, I'll say under two. I'm going to go for three But and I a also half. don't care. Three and a half, maybe four. Here's the thing, though. What if it's one versus two is the blowout? Then, I mean, it's a blowout. We yeah, but what I'm saying is, though, that doesn't – that doesn't – that's not a critique on the 12-team playoff. If the if, no, number, my, if number 12 gets blown out by number – you know, 11, if they, they want up meeting, that's not a critique of the playoff. It's only a critique if 12 gets blown out by one. Which, I mean, I think it's going to happen more times than not. Like, no, I, it I, might. It's still college football. But how many, okay, for how many years until things finally start evening out? I think it's going to be a lot longer than people think it is. Because we're, we're talking about evening out, evening out, evening out. But, I mean, you just had this conversation, Jeff, that we – but what I, the again, middle what of the I road teams, though, the Indianas, the the Illinois, the Iowas, the Minnesotas, the Vanderbilts, the you know Kansases. Like if Kansas met Georgia, right? If Kansas is the twelfth team in the country and they have to play Georgia, that that Florida State result is going to be the same thing that happens to Kansas. No questions asked, no doubt in my mind. That's fine. I'll get. That's what I said. I'll give you a few. I'm not even. But I also look at like, what if it was Notre Dame playing Michigan, who was is number one? That wouldn't have been a blowout. A full, no, a full, and, a full steam. But I'm saying Notre Dame weren't they like 11 or 10 or 12 yeah. coming into this? I'm not saying they wouldn't. A full steam Ohio State wouldn't have got blown out by anybody. They just I'm, they barely lost to Michigan. And Michigan's number one in the country. One thousand percent. I'm not saying. I said under five too. So like, I'm not saying there will be a ton of blowouts. But one thing I know for sure, Jeff, is and, – and this is the point that I've been trying to make with the college football playoffs. This is the point I've been trying to make for the 12 teams is – I first of all, I hope that they have a long, hard conversation about what the qualifications are and how they're going to say this. Because if they're going to come out and start this off like they started off the college football playoffs – when it was four teams and they say it's going to be the 12 best teams or, or the well, six best teams. And then, the, then we're, we're, we're going to have problems, right? That's a different yeah. conversation is if the, if the numb nuts running it, mess it up, then I, that's not a college but, football problem. But what I'm getting at is that's like a numb nut. That's a rich people. Yeah. Problem. Like Alabama, Georgia is not going to be a blowout. I don't think Michigan, Notre Dame would be a blowout. I don't think Ohio state, Georgia would be a blowout, but when you start getting down the lower list, Georgia, Iowa would have been a blowout. Georgia, Kansas, I think would have been a blowout. Georgia, Kansas State would have been a blowout. I yeah, know, but the whole point. I'm is not still, sure. I'm not so sure. With, Oklahoma with State set, compete with, with the Georgia. Way set up. Iowa shouldn't get to Georgia because they should technically lose in the first round to a better team. So okay. in your scenario, the lower like that. That was my question for. Here's my follow up question for you. How many upsets will there be? There's going to be 11 games. How many upsets? That that just means the seed, the lower seed beating the higher, the higher seed beating the lower seed. How many I, per year? Or do you think ne- just in no, the first next year. year? Just next year. I think one. I think there'll only be one because so I think, think the it'll blue just be chalk. Because I think the blue bloods are going to be the blue bloods. Now we talked about this. There are going to be yeah, but the blue like, bloods are going to be like number twelve. Like if a yeah. high state or Oregon sneaks in at twelve, I'll give you two, two. Two upsets. Okay. I'll say out of 11 games, I'll say more. I'll say at least three, at least three upsets. You're, you're giving it a lot more credit than I am. I just, my, my thing is this I'm just tired of watching 63 to three national championships. I'm tired of watching. Yeah, but you can't discredit the great national championships. They're out of all the playoff yeah. games, there's only been a couple really shitty ones. Well, I mean, anyone that Notre Dame's been in, the Cincinnati one. And... Notre Dame is not I'm saying national championship game. Well, you're going back oh, yeah. to now you're, you're back yeah, to BCS. The national championship games have all been great. Notre, and BCS was the reason Notre Dame got in that game. That should have been a high state. Everybody knows that. Yeah. I agree. But I mean, we listen, some of my favorite national championship games were those Clemson Alabama games. You know why? Right. Because the Blue Buds were good 
and the teams that mattered mattered, yep. and the others were kicked to the wayside. To, which is how tonight how, tonight is going to be a good one, a hundred percent promise. I think it so. Will, I think it so. will not get it will not get out of hand. I missed the Deshaun Watson battling when when oh. he was when we still thought he was pure and innocent. Deshaun Watson battling, um, you know. Nick Saban in this Alabama defense. That's like people forget. People think that Ohio State ran over Oregon in, in that national championship game. It it did. That's not the case. It wound yeah. up it wound up getting away from Oregon at the very very end. But it, that was a close game throughout. It was actually a pretty good football game if, if you go back and rewatch it. Um, you know, LSU destroyed Clemson. You know that you can't get around that one. Um, feels like Alabama got their ass whooped in there somewhere. I think Clemson. Yeah, Alabama. Clemson with. with uh... Freshman Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's been a few, and last year was a disgrace. But um, you know, it's yeah, you know, you're you're going to have it. I, t- tonight will not be one, and then All next right, year yeah. is not going to be one either because you're going to have teams are going to get beat up. I, you're not going to have a healthy team anymore. You know, going into the playoffs, you're only going to get like what two weeks off, and you start your playoff yeah. run. Going away games, um, teams are going to get beat up, injuries. You're going to have more game. You're going to have more championships ruined by a quarterback getting injured in the first round. You're going to start having stuff like that, just like the NFL, but that's football. All right, Jeff, let's wrap it up. Uh, great, Thanks, great show today. I it just was. You know, wanted to talk about the 12 the team comments made on the, the <laughs> Up in Flames podcast. And I want to talk about this bowl game thing that's been eating Stuart, away. One of these days, that chip on your shoulder is going to knock you over, man. You're going, it's going to crush you. Hey. Listen, I just want the credit when the credit's due, all right? When I'm wrong, I, I say this all the time, Jeff, and you know me. When I, How many times have I said with the, with the Josh Allen stuff, when I'm wrong, come yeah. at me. I, I, I keep my tweets up. I don't delete my tweets because I believe in having receipts. And same with this podcast. I want people. I want hey, more you- than anything, someone to, to record what I'm saying <laughs> and send it back to me and be like, you're a fool. But also, I expect and feel like I earned and deserve the same credit when I'm right. And and People the reason I'm coming out with so much thing is I've been right a lot often and haven't been given the credit I deserved. So I'm coming <laughs> out with a little distaste in my mouth. You always you'll always have Jameis Winston, man. You'll always have Jameis Winston. Always. Always. All right. Hey, before we leave, let people know where they can find you, what you're working on. All those types of things. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Jameis Winston, go back to about the 2020 year <laughs> when he was throwing for 30 and 30. You listen to about almost every podcast. <laughs> 30 for 30 that. And, and you'll understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to Stu for having me on. This is always a blast. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, Jeff Needs Sports. Uh, you can find me where you find every other podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at jhunt 6 You know, hit me up there. Um, did a lot of college football talk. I'll have at least one more college football show, um, you know, and, then, you know, different stuff in the offseason. Then we'll start transitioning some other stuff, some fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, appreciate any likes, shares, review, all that good stuff. You can find me on uh, – you can find us on YouTube over there at Off the Ball Network. Put all my stuff up there. So, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's fun to be back. It's been an awesome college football year. And um, we got we got one more game. Try to enjoy it. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow for some of us, but we're going to get through it. Yeah, hey, for sure. Hey, for those of you listening – Have a good day, good night, good afternoon. Whatever it is, you have a good one. We will see you next week.